Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have one of the Marx Brothers. You see, when I think of the Marx Brothers, I think of this guy. When my co-host thinks of him, he's in his late 60s. He thinks of the comedians. I think Braucho, Harpo, Zeppo, now Chico. Different Marx Brothers. But, again, one of the greatest receivers of all time. He caught passes from my former favorite quarterback of all time, Dan Marino. Mark Clayton, how are you doing today, Mr. Clayton? Fine, how are you guys doing? Good. Hey. It seems like only yesterday you were catching passes from Marino. Yeah, it hasn't been. I don't think it's been that long, but it's been a while, though. But it feels like it hasn't been. You played college ball at Louisville. Were there other schools after you at that time, or was Louisville basically the school you wanted to go to? Yeah, yeah, I had tons of schools. It was Louisville and Indiana State. <laughs> they they weren't interested in a five nine hundred seventy seven pound uh, receiver. No, because when I was when I came out of school, I was about one hundred and fifty pounds. Oh, okay. So they didn't, you know, they, they. I don't think it was, you know, such thing back then as a, a, a five nine, one hundred fifty pound wide receiver that could, could run like I could. So I, I had two offers, and I went with the best of the two. So it all turned out. What was the Louisville experience like for you? A little bit was fun though. Back then, uh, when I first got around there. Um, uh, Vince Gibson was my head coach, and then after uh, my the, my freshman year, he left to go on to coach Tulane, and then uh, Bob Weber came in and took his his place. and And back then, um, uh, it was we was more of a ground and pound kind of game, so, and not really passing the ball much. But after uh, Coach Gibson left and Bob Weber took over, then. Uh, we started getting in some some better talent at the quarterback position, and then we went from a, a, a run happy team to uh, about a fifty fifty uh, run in, in the past. And I just uh, went on to to do good things there. My um, my junior year, and then my senior year, then I, I caught four thousand yards, and the rest, as they say, is history. I would say yeah. you're the greatest player to play at Louisville, but I can't slight Johnny Unitas. <laughs> oh right! I, you know, no, I don't think I could. I could take credit for being the greatest player to play the move. But you had some good players on your team. You had Frank Minifield. I mean, you had Otis Wilson there, maybe for a year. Dwayne yeah. Rudruff. Yeah, uh, um, Eddie Johnson, Joe Jacoby. We had we had some guys that that came out of there that that made it. So um, I wasn't the only one to put them on the map. There were several other guys that. That come from there, but now they're putting them in there left and right. Their, their program is way better than the program uh, is when I was there. Yeah. Now, as a sophomore, you caught 15 passes after catching one as a freshman, and then your junior year you had 27, and your senior year you had 53. What took them so long to realize they should be throwing the ball to you more and more? Well, we we really didn't have much. Other than that, in the, in the off, on the offensive side of the ball, and like I said, we had um, we had this young kid that uh, named Dean May out of Tampa, Florida, to come to come there, and, and um, he he could throw the ball pretty good. So I guess they felt like they will take advantage of the talent that those two guys have and and, and try to win some games with it. 
Did you have any idea the Dolphins were interested in drafting you? Well, you know, I, I, when I, after my senior year, uh, the scouts would come to the school and work me out and work Frank Minifield out. And there was another guy there that, that um, you know, he didn't make it in the NFL, but he did get drafted, Richard Thought. And um, uh, Elbert DeBinion, I can remember this like it was yesterday. Elbert DeBinion was the scout for the Dolphins at that time. And when he came to work me out and he was – Saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to get you. He said, you watch, we're going to get you, we're going to get you. And he was saying it along with the Steelers scouts and a few more other scouts were saying that, you know, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we will consider you also. Um, and they was saying that I was projected to go in the rounds between rounds four through six and end up dropping to round eight. So I guess when it came around time for the Dolphins to make their selection, they figured, well, what the heck is the eighth round? Uh, we don't have anything to lose, so we'll just take a shot at him and and, and draft this kid. And and when I got the call, um, he had had a uh, Elbert Devenian to make the call, and he said, "Hey, Mark, this is Doobie." He says, uh, "What did I tell you? I told you we were going to select you." He said, uh, "We selected you in the eighth round." Hold on, here's Coach Shula, and he put Coach Shula on the phone, and and. Um, the rest is history. Did you know who Albert DeBinion was? You know, he was a pretty good football player back in the day. No, I had never heard of Albert DeBinion, but then after I had got there, I I, I did some, some some research on this guy because they had said he was a, a, a good football player, and, and by the way, he, he was a good football player after I uh, went back and done some of my homework to realize who I was talking to then. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't have things like Google back then, so you could look it up right away either. Absolutely, you're right, because we, I, I, I had to do my homework. I had to go to the library and, and, and look it up in some books. When you joined the Dolphins, I mean, Dan was coming off his rookie year. He had um, Mark Duper, who had a big season, 83, and his other receiver was kind of getting old, Nat Moore. Did you realize that you were going to – basically share the wide receiver position with Mark Duper, or did you have to earn that? Well, when I first got there, um, uh, Duper had already been there a year, and, and Dan and I had came in the same year. And after I made the team, um, Duper wasn't even playing then either at the time. And he was running down on special teams like I was. But then my first game uh, in my NFL regular season game, um, Tommy Vigorito went down with a torn ACL. So then I started uh, returning the punts then. And then later on in that game, um, uh, Jimmy Cephalo went down as well with a torn ACL. And, and then I was coming in on third down. I was the third, uh, third down wide receiver at that time. So I got my feet wet early. And um, after that, my – my rookie season, we used to play in these uh, off-season basketball games, and I rode to a game with Matt Moore, and Matt Moore was telling me, he says, let me tell you what's going to happen, kid. Uh, he said, you and Duper are going to be the starters. He says, and I, I don't mind that, even though that, you know, you'll be sitting me down on the bench, but he said, I don't mind coming in on third down. He said, and what I'm going to do when you guys are, you know, become the starters, I'm going to teach, my job is going to be to teach you guys everything I know. 
I said, hey, man, that's nice. He said, yeah. He said, because I'm a good guy like that. He says, uh, <laughs> he says, I'm going to, he said, and the reason why I'm going to teach you guys everything I know, he said, because you all are going to add some years to my career. He said, because I don't mind coming in on third down. He said, but I'm going to play another uh, four or five more years uh, just coming in on third down because you guys are going to uh, uh, take, take care of that, right, the starting job, and I'll come in and just – and play the back up to you guys if one of you guys get hurt and just come in on third down. So yeah. it yeah. worked out pretty good. Yeah, because Nat Moore would only have to get hit, you know, about a third or a quarter of the time as if he had been a starter. When, That's when you, right. When you got there, David Woodley was a starting quarterback, and it took a while uh, into that rookie season for Marino to be the starter. Could you tell from practice – that he was as good as he was and that Marino should be the starter? Well, I, I, I had the pleasure of, of playing against Marino in college for like a couple of seasons, my junior and senior year we played against him. So I know he was good then, but I didn't really realize how really good he was until I got to catch passes from him once we got there. But um, he was looking good in practice, but I didn't know that he was going to uh, really pan out to be as really good as he was. But uh, it was a very good move by Coach Sula to, to, to really pull that trigger on, on Dan Marino, drafting Marino in the first place. And he came out looking looking like the great coach that he is, too, on that, on that, on that deal also. Because Woodley had just taken the Dolphins to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he basically was pretty established there. Yeah, you're right. He, they did just go to the Super Bowl the year before that we got there. But um, I don't know exactly what really made Coach Hill. We were playing uh, against the Saints uh, that season, my rookie season, and, and we wasn't playing well the first half. And so then I, he just finally decided to make that move. He says, okay. He said, Moreno, you're going to start the second half, and Duper, you're going to start the second half. And it turned out they, they had a great second half. We came back and we won that game. And then the next week they were starting, both of them. And I didn't get to start until the next year, but I was playing a lot. So I knew that he really uh, liked some of the things that I brought to the table as well, even though I wasn't a starter until my second year. Now, your second year, you had 73 receptions, 18 touchdowns. Did did you make a bond with Marino, or, or what led to, to all the early success? Well, you know, um, it, it, it came down to a, a trust factor. I, I believe that Dan, he trusted trusted in me because we got there the same year and uh we worked our way up the depth chart even though he beat me to the starting to the starting lineup before I did. But um it was just a thing that, that we practiced together and he saw that that, you know, I was capable of, of making some big plays and and the league was well aware of Dan Marino uh and Mark Duper my second year because of the success that they had the year before. So I think that they were really overly concerned about Duper beating them deep and double covering him, and they really didn't know what I could, what I was capable of. And I just took advantage of the single coverage that they were giving me, and um, just made the best of it. Who was Mark, who was Dan's go-to receiver? Was it you or Duper when he wanted to get that first down? Well, you know, uh, Duper had that, that vertical speed and that vertical kind of game, and. 
I just wanted to catch the ball, so I don't care about where I caught it. I, I used to, you know, take pride in going over the middle and catching it and, and getting the first downs. But, you know, I, I don't know if I, if I was his go-to guy, but uh, if if we wanted the sticks move, then I, I feel like that he would, uh, he would really center on me and my, and my routes. Uh, and my pass catching ability. If we needed a big play, a big home run deep down the field, then I believe Duper was was his guy then. So your second season, you have this tremendous success. You guys make it to the Super Bowl. What's that like for for a young player to be at the you know the NFL's biggest game that quickly in his career? Unbelievable. You know, you 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 really. It, to get a, a taste of that kind of success and playing in the in on the biggest stage of, of my career on any level at that early stage in my career, I, I think that you know I I may have taken it a little for granted back then when I was playing in that game, thinking like, wow, I'm playing in the Super Bowl and only my second year. Uh, I'm I'm definitely going to play in about four or five more now if I'm getting here this early. But it just goes to show you that it's 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 easier said than done, and it takes a lot of hard work to get there. And uh, got close after that year right there. Played in a couple more AFC Championship games after that. But um, it just, like I said, it just goes to show you how hard, how much hard work it takes, and uh, and how much of a team that you got to have to really to make it to that stage again. I remember watching it Super Bowl because the Dolphins were my team because of you and Marino. But that wasn't fair. To let San Francisco play, in essence, in their backyard. I mean, that was an unfair advantage. No other team had done that before. I, I agree. I was, I, you know, even though, like I say, I didn't realize exactly the magnitude of, of of that game back then. I knew about the Super Bowl, but I really felt like that it was it was kind of unfair. It was like playing in Candlestick Park because Palo Alto is right there by San Francisco and. And we had to endure the the, the 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 pounding of the fans by coming to the hotel uh, and hanging out and stuff and harassing us. And those guys had got the pleasure to stay at home in their own bed for the week. What was Coach Shula like leading up to the Super Bowl? He'd been there before. You know, some of you guys had not. So did, did he try well, to make this just, just another week or – well, no, no. I, I, it, it's never just another week when you're playing in the Super Bowl. Contrary to what some players say, you know that's the biggest game of, of their career, and it's not just like any other game. And uh, Coach Shula was, you know, pretty, pretty laid back, but you know he was a coach of. of the type that likes to pay pay attention to the details, and and he just tried to get us prepared as, as as best he could, and 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 as well as he thought that he needed to to really prepare us. And I think we were prepared to play in that game. I just think that uh, we were just outmatched. Uh, they were a better team than we were on that day. Because Coach Shula, throughout his career, was known as a coach who liked to run the ball and win with defense, I mean, he changed his whole philosophy when he had you and Duper and uh, Marino there. Well, yeah, yeah, because we really didn't have much of a running game my uh, my whole career there. And I guess uh, 
if, if you don't have much of a running game and, and offense is offense is about running and passing, if you don't have a running game, so I guess you have to go with what you have, the hand that you have dealt, and, and, and go with that and try to do the best you can with the, with the players that you have. And I think that um, that's not a bad hand to have when you got Dan Marino on the Marks Brothers outside. Uh, if you have Dan Marino and you're running the ball, something's wrong. <laughs> I agree, and, and Dan used to always say, "Sometimes we used to uh, have some chances where there were some chances where, you know, uh, some other guys would say, Dan, you uh, the offensive line would say, you could have ran for that first down, or, or you could have ran for that touchdown right there.'" And, and he says, "They didn't bring you here to run the ball." <laughs> <laughs> now, what was it like in the aftermath of, of losing? in the Super Bowl? Well, you know, like I said, um, I, I, I hated to lose that game. I, I, I felt like that um, that we we could have won that game had we uh, uh, played our very, very best game. And I think that that's what it was going to have to take for us to win that game because they were a very talented football team. But uh, – uh, unfortunately, someone has to, had to win and, and someone had to lose. And, you know, losing is, is never fun, but you just got to take from from that experience and, and try your best to, if you get another chance, to do, do, it, do some of the things differently that you didn't get a chance to do in the first place. Being a, from Chicago, the 85 Bears Super Bowl, the only team that scared me that season – was the Dolphins, and you guys proved why when you handed the Bears their only loss. What was that game like? Oh, that was an unbelievable game. Uh, um, the, 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 the crowd there in the Orange Bowl was louder than any other cl- crowd I've ever heard in any part of, of the time that I played down there in the Orange Bowl. Uh, you saw a lot of the, the guys from the uh, 17 and 0 team. They were coming to practice. They were on the sideline at the game. Um, really felt very confident that week that we had a great week of practice. I felt like going to that game that, that, that we really had something, um, that they really couldn't really defend. Um, we watched them, how they blitzed the other teams and, and just really just, really just made the other offenses look just downright just mediocre, but, um, they had never faced the likes of, um, Dan Marino with his quick release and, and the two receivers outside that could, could get open against man-to-man. But the key to that game was really just um, giving Dan enough time for him to throw the ball because from film that we had watched throughout the, um, throughout the season, a lot of the quarterbacks that they played against, they wasn't given enough time to do anything, and, and it made their defensive backs not have to cover that long, and they looked like world beaters. But um, uh, Coach Shula had a great game plan that week. I think we went to three wide against them the whole game. We never had uh, uh, the tight ends on our team. They didn't play at all. And the only people that called passes on that night was uh, – uh, myself, uh, Mark Duper, and Matt Moore, the only people that called passes that night. And uh, it worked out pretty good, but um, I was just really kind of a little upset that we didn't really get a chance really to, to get in that second loss. We were played in New England, the AFC Championship game, and they hadn't lost. I mean, they hadn't won a game in the Orange Bowl in years, and just so happened, I think, that we played, could, 
couldn't have played a worse game. We we were well prepared, but I think that uh, we just did play our best game, and I kind of really got a sign of that from the opening kickoff when we fumbled the opening kickoff and they recovered it. And I don't think it was a rainy, rainy, slippery field, and uh, I think it went all downhill from the opening kickoff. Well, you guys couldn't have done any worse in the Super Bowl than what the Patriots did. And I think a lot of people would have, especially in Chicago, would have liked to have seen a rematch against Miami. Oh, I would have liked to have saw that, too, as well, too, because I feel like that uh, if, if, since we beat them once, I, I believe that we could have beat them again. That undefeated Dolphins team, how happy were they when you guys won? It was like they won that game against the Bears? Absolutely, man. They was because they they saw how how good of a football team that the Bears was, and I know that they were really shaking in their boots that it had we not beat them that that's possibly that they could have ran the table the rest of the way. So did Mercury Morris buy you champagne or anything when you guys won? No, but they were in, they were they were inside the locker room and stuff, you know, as, as if like you said, as if they had won the game. But right. nobody buys. They didn't pop champagne bottles with us or anything. What I never got was with Dan Marino. He bought his offensive lineman isotoner gloves. Eric Dickerson bought his lineman Rolex watches. Did you ever go to Dan? Why don't you spend a little of that money you're earning? You're making a lot more money than Eric Dickerson. No, you know, I, you know, that, that, you know, I guess, you know, that was the way Eric wanted to handle it, and that's the way Dan handled it. I guess, you know, they feel like, hey, we get a, we get a paycheck anyway, so he didn't have to buy the guys anything. So, you know, I, I think it was just a pleasure doing that job and watching him see him perform at his best as well. So that was just as good as anything that he could have bought. Now, that 85 season, you caught only four touchdowns. Your receptions were about the same. Uh, but you had gone from 18 to four touchdowns. Is, is that just a quirk, or is it well, being tar- targeted at, at different times? Well, I think that the, um, they really kind of really knew who I was, and, and they went from that, that, that single coverage to how I think I went – from that to drawing double coverage the rest of uh, my career after that year right there. Do you ever think to yourself, if you're playing in today's game, you might get 2,000 yards receiving and like 25 touchdowns? Because these defensive backs can't touch the receivers nowadays without getting a penalty call. No doubt about it. We played in play back there in the air where they could arm bar you, they could grab you, they could hold you, they could jam you uh, 10, 12 yards down the field. But mind you, those rules were in effect when we were playing. They just wasn't rarely enforced. So now with the, with the, with them enforcing rules, I think that uh, I, I could have had a, a, a lot more loftier stats because uh, they want to see uh, the offensive numbers uh, skyrocketing because that's why they, they they are enforcing those rules because a lot of people, uh, the fans that pay their money, they don't want to come and see a defensive struggle, a struggle uh, kind of game. They want to see a ball in the air and points on the board like we saw Sunday with uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger throwing the six touchdowns and, and Tom Brady throwing the five touchdowns. 
um, those guys were just spraying the ball all over the place, and that's what the fans want to see today. Now, by the time the 88 season rolls around, you're t- you, 88, you get 14 touchdowns. Had they stopped double covering you at that juncture? <laughs> no, they didn't. I just, I just really was um, starting really to understand it really, really well how to how to beat the double team. They didn't stop doubling us at that time, but uh, uh, we found our ways to how to beat the double team a lot better, and and, and that's what we did. Now that. That season you had a career-high 86 receptions. Was that better than the 84 season? What was your best season, do you think? Well, statistically-wise, it has to be the 84 year because I think I had uh, almost 1,400 yards uh, receiving and 18 touchdowns. I don't think uh, uh, the the catches just in that 88 season, I think, um, was my highest uh, reception total, but as far as statistically, statistical wise, I think 84 is just hands down much better. Uh, when I was across the board with the, you know, I had the 73 catches, or 72 catches, and uh, 1389 and 18 touchdowns. I, I don't think that um, I could say that any other season was better than those numbers right there. What cornerback gave you that hardest time? Well, I, I, I'd like to say, um, uh, well, I had several cornerbacks that really gave me, you know, a hard time. But, you know, going into those games, knowing that they were that good, which that made me work that much harder in practice. And I like to go up against the best. I, uh, Mike Haynes was one of the best that, that covered me. And uh, Everson Walls was uh, a good guy. You had a... Um, uh, Lester Hayes. Lester Hayes. No one wanted to be covered by Lester, though. He had all that stick of mine, but and he'd get it all over the ball, all over you. No one wanted to go near him. Well, you know what, though? Uh, Lester was, was big, and, and he just really, if you didn't let Lester get his hands on you and grab you and hold you, Lester was, was beatable, but, you know, but the point is, that guy was just so hard really kind of to get around those guys. But for the most part, those three guys that I named, those those guys were big corners. And, um, you know, shoot, and if they got their hands on you, like I said, back then they could grab you and hold you and stuff in and no call. You would get no call. But those guys were very big physical kind of uh, cornerbacks. They really kind of gave me the blues. But but I, I, I relish that challenge. Uh, I should love to go up against those guys because I know I would have to bring my A game going up against those guys. And if I beat those guys and look good against those guys, I would get the respect that I, that I deserve. What about Ronnie Lott? At that time, Ronnie Lott was um, he, he was a corner, but you know he was Ronnie Lott didn't have the speed. Uh, he wasn't as fast as those guys, but he he was more the physical kind of corner that would if you count the ball in front of him, he'd come up and and try to knock your head off. But um, and later on in our career, when I did go up against him, they moved him from corner. To safety, but he was playing corner in that Super Bowl. But and I talked to the Ronnie Lott and 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 Eric Wright. We became pretty decent friends even while we were playing. And and they told me that uh, their game plan in the Super Bowl. They were saying that um, 
you know, our game plan for the Super Bowl was to play off you guys and not let you guys do what y'all had been doing the whole season, which was run, which was running past guys and, and making big plays. Our goal was to play off you guys, let you all catch it in front of y'all, and then come up and make the tackle. Sort of like the game plan that Seattle had last year when they played Denver in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, the 1991 season, you're getting to, you're 30 years old, getting to be an old man. 70 receptions, 12 touchdowns. Did you feel like you had turned into Nat Moore at that point? You know, because 30 years, 30 years old is is not old, but it's it's getting old in football standards. Right. So I still had young legs. 30 years old. 30 was the new 20 back then, so uh, <laughs> so no, I, I I just wasn't ready to, to really even think that I was getting old. So I still had to show show the world that I still could do it. What was the key to your success as a receiver, other than having you know your outstanding athletic ability? I I, I think I had a great work. Work ethic. I, I think that uh, I, I I got out of my craft what I put into my craft. I, I I think I worked hard off the field, and I and I thoroughly thoroughly loved the game. And I think that that those can be two attributive factors of of how I done why I done so well because I enjoyed the game and I worked hard. When you joined the Packers, they had a young Brett Favre. Did you see the greatness that he would achieve when you were with them? No, I, I thought just the opposite. I didn't know that he was going to be that good, even though um, he was he was okay because he just was young and 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 and, and he wasn't throwing me the passes, throwing me any passes, even though I caught a few passes from him. And I I never thought that he was uh, going to become the student of the game that he became. But it, it wasn't until Sterling Sharp got hurt while he was playing for them that. Uh, Brett Favre became the, the player that he became. Favre had the raw talent, but it, as you say, it, it took a while for it to, uh, I guess, mature. Absolutely, because like I said, he he had depended so much on on Sterling Sharp bailing bailing him out when he you know wasn't reading the coverage properly, or when he break out of the out of the pocket and start running, then you know he would really just be focusing on Sterling Sharp instead of really uh, reading his progressions throughout the the play. How are you not? He, go ahead. But he, but he later on he became you know he he became the, the player that uh, not just with raw talent to uh, to become a player to 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 take advantage of that raw talent and work with the players that he had and and, and achieve the greatness. Why are you not in the Hall of Fame? I don't understand this. I don't even. That's a that's a hundred million dollar question. I don't think that they have a. Um, they don't have a, a, a protocol or, or barometer of what it takes to be a Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah. Well, you were saying that, I don't know what the barometer is for that Hall of Fame because again, Andre Reid got in last year and it didn't make any sense. You had better stats than he did at the, in the time period you played. Well, I, I, like I said, you know, if, if you all can research that out and, and, and let me know why I'm not really getting any serious consideration, then uh, I'd appreciate that. I know that there's a lot of guys out there that's, uh, that's 
well deserving as well. But but right now, uh, like I said, you know, from the way it looks now, you know, these this past happy league that we have, I, I think that my numbers are gonna start getting dwarfed by all these other receivers that is playing in this era right here. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I think that Marino might be the only quarterback in the hall that doesn't have a, a player that he th- has thrown to, whether it be a, a running back or a tight end or a receiver, that if the quarterback's in, one of those other guys are, uh, that are in the Hall of Fame as well, somebody that they throw to. And I don't know why that, you know, like I say, I'm not getting any consideration. But, um, well, it would truly be an honor. It's not my call for me to, to put myself in the hall. But any time they're ready, I'll answer that phone when they call. <laughs> well, no, like you say, there there is offensive number inflation that's occurred over the years. And, you know, once upon a time, your 18 touchdowns in 84 was the NFL record. So Absolutely. It, it's not and when I left the game, my 84 uh, career touchdowns, I was in the top 10. <laughs> and and all, not, probably nine out of those top 10 are in the Hall of Fame at that time. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You're right. I, I, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of 20 other guys that are in. I think maybe 20 receivers. In the hall, I think my numbers are just as good, if not better, across the board than than fifteen of those guys. What you got to do is get a job on ESPN or CBS, <laughs> do pre and post game, go. and promote yourself like these other guys have been doing. Chris Carter. Hey, you, hey do you have a hookup in any of the, on any of those networks? Hey, I, I'll take a, I'll take a gig. Hey, you know that's what everybody's telling me too. You're not the first to say that. They say you need to get on TV. But uh, if you got a hookup, David, hey, I'm uh, hey, you got my number, man. I, I'm available. So I'm trying to get I'm trying to get your former quarterback on for an interview. They CBS fired him, and he won't do any interviews now. Oh, I don't know why he won't. But you know, he was he was part of the media then, so he was readily available to talk. I don't know why he shouldn't be readily available to talk now. He's maybe someone, I could maybe I can get him. Sounds good. He's selling, he's selling a lot of wine. I see that him and I think Brock Hewitt opened up a winery. <laughs> yeah, he told me about that a few months ago. And I don't drink wine, but he said he's going he's gonna to send my wife a, a, a case of wine. And he, he they drink wine together uh, when we were doing an appearance somewhere, and they were drinking that Opus wine, and she was telling them how good they were. And he was bragging on his he and uh, Brock's wine, said, oh, it's way better than Opus wine. <laughs> Hopefully, he was paying for it with the quarterback money because that Opus One isn't cheap. Yeah, that's you know that's, we we well we went out we went out with he and his wife and and he picked up the tab and he was saying drink as much wine as you want and she could have kept drinking. So I guess I don't I don't know how much it cost. <laughs> now you did make it into the Miami Dolphins Ring of Honor in in '03. What was that day like? That was an amazing day. I think that's 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 quite an accomplishment. I, I was able to, uh, to to take my family, you know, on the field and and be out there when they put my name up there, and 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 my kids uh, were there as well, and and to see my name up there in the end zone and 
and they know that when they go to the game that they'll always see their dad's name in the stadium and and, and I, I, I'm very appreciative of that honor right there. What was it like catching that pass from Dan Marino at the hall when he went in? Hey, man, that was a, that was great. I thought that I was going to be getting up there on the stage there with him, donning a jacket. I said, hey, this give me a little more exposure. He's there, and let me see who he's thrown to, so maybe they'll get me up there on the stage with that jacket soon. Did you call me, called my head out of blue, and I, was, I was, wasn't expecting any of that, and hey, it just, it, I, I still could catch. You caught it. You don't want to drop that pass. <laughs> no, not that one. That was, you know, we can't do a redo on that right there. You can only get one chance to do it. So just like, a, just like, just like in the games, and oh, it's a fourth down catch right there. You don't get any more catches, any more downs if you drop that. Did Duper give you a hard time saying, you know what? Why did I get one of those passes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he well, he gave it to Dan, and so um, I think it was uh, we we were there in Miami for some other occasion. And and uh, uh, Dan said, the, the dude said, hey, man, uh, you threw Clayton a pass at the Hall of Fame. Now, throw me my pass. And, and uh, he won his turn and to catch his Dan a pass for Marino for the last time, and, and he did that. When you went to Green Bay, did you know that was going to be your last season? No, I didn't. You know, I, I, I feel like I still could play. Um, but, but, but when I'm working my butt off in practice and not getting balls in games and uh, getting open in games and still not getting balls, when I when I go there with a 95 consecutive game with a catch and it, it gets snapped, uh, not by me dropping passes or them covering me where uh, I don't get a pass thrown my way the whole game. It kind of like really took the joy out of the game for me. I really stopped really – Stop feeling, you know, the way I felt on Sunday because I couldn't wait for game day. I used to love Sundays. And when that joy is, 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 is taken from you or you stop feeling the same way that you, you normally do on, on work day, then I think it's time for you to really seriously uh, consider uh, just stepping aside. So what are you doing now? Well, I, 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 I do a, a sports talk radio on Yahoo Sports um, on on the weekends. And um, um, just really, I'm a, a taxi for my, my my kids and one of my sons in the marching band. I feel like I'm in the marching band and they're on the <laughs> basketball team. So um, I'm just really just, just, just being a busy dad and just enjoying life. Looking for and looking for the job on on one of the networks, uh, Fox, Fox Sport One, CBS, NFL Network, you know, ESPN. I'm looking for one of those kind of gigs. Tough to come by. Yeah, they are, and that's why when you see guys that's on the networks, you don't see hardly any of those guys just up and say, oh, "I don't want to do this anymore." When they get those guys, those gigs, they keep those gigs, and yeah. I don't blame them. No, I mean, you look at these guys and they get more gigs. Like uh, Strahan, he goes from Regis and uh, Michael, or Kelly and Michael, to Good Morning America. Yeah. 
Absolutely. He doesn't need all those gigs. I could do one of those. He just needs one of those. Ah, right. He doesn't need he everything. He can let me have his job on, on, on Sunday. And he can keep uh, his, his Michael and Kelly and, and Good Born America. And let me, get, <laughs> let me go to the a job on Fox on Sunday. I can talk football. Exactly. You probably know more than he does because those defensive linemen aren't that smart compared to receivers. <laughs> no, but I guess he's, you know, they, they like the gap. <laughs> the gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>